I'm Sadek. And I'm Christian. And this is episode 120 of Shades of Brown. And this week, uh, audio issues about but I, I guess general OS issues, if we general, really think about it. If you really think about it, it's 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 applications, you know, what is an OS but, a, but an application? Uh, well, I, actually, if you really think about it, what is a computer? This this is not the Vergecast. You can't just be like, "What is what is a photograph?" This is not the Vergecast. Um, let's let's get into it though. Like we, you wanted, you had a you had a story uh, of your own, I think, to talk about in in macOS and iCloud file syncing. So, what happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I a I know this is a far tired topic, so. Please, by all means, we got chapter markers. If you if you listen to multiple technology podcasts, they lately have gone on about how operating system stability is an issue nowadays. And feel free to skip to the next part. But I just wanted to cry a little bit about it because it's annoying as shit. Um, specifically, it's not even like it's like oh, this app's buggy or whatever, right? But some of the issues I've been running into on macOS are ref- like with with how Finder works and just strictly dealing with files, which. If we had a hierarchy, right, of things you don't mess up on a f- OS, number one, user data, right? <laughs> number two, like maybe application integrity, but like Paramount is th- the operating system should never delete anything unless I specifically delete it. So what's been happening recently is that I've been doing a lot more uh, React apps, working on that um, because hey, it's 2020 and React's really the only way you gotta. You got to be competitive to get a job, right? <laughs> that or some other horrible web framework. But the the common denominator that all these web frameworks have is they are all chained to dependency hell. We've actually talked about it uh, a couple episodes back. I think maybe sometime last year when a popular Node uh, NPM library got hijacked and ended up having malware in it. So basically, it's if you install like a React app or you add React to your project, um, you essentially are it's like. 30, 40, 50,000 files that project ends up being. And mind you, these are small files, right? These are because it's just JavaScript. So they're all text files, you know, and, and Babel or Webpack will end up just compiling it all to one file anyway. So it works out fairly well. But the problem is, by default on Mac OS now, all of your files are in the um, iCloud Drive sync um, process. So your desktop and your documents file, uh, folder. And that's actually never been an issue for me. I've never had iCloud lose my data. But, and this is happening on a, on a friend's computer. I helped troubleshoot it. We were working on a project. And then she's like, I just ran out of space on my hard drive. And, we, and from the morning to then, right? They've just been working in VS Code, just, just editing text. So it's sort of like, I've done nothing with my computer that would, that would like make me you know, run out of storage. The issue ended up being that she was working out of a, a, a folder under documents folder for this project, which, just to be clear, is 120% a expected behavior for a user, right? Even if it's someone doing dev work, ideally, your files would be in the documents folder in your home directory because that's how we've all been trained to use computers for like the past 30 years. And so she's like, hey, can you just take a quick look at it? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Like I pick up the laptop and I'm like, wow, this is extremely hot. The fans are going full gear. So me, I'm like, okay, let's let's go ahead and maybe uninstall some apps, right? Maybe there's something with a nasty background process. So I basically go in, I sort her applications folder by like the biggest file size. I remove like some creative cloud apps that she wasn't using. And then so we ended up getting about like 20 gigs back of just like software. 
also adobe creative cloud is so fucking big what are you doing adobe creative cloud at least got us like 10 gigs back alone on mac os that is ridiculous uh, although at least now too um creative cloud you can remove it um without having to sign into it which is an issue i've had on windows pcs before um because adobe now has an official creative cloud uninstaller tool because it used to be that the only way to remove creative cloud would be signed into it so if you're on a pc and you wanted to remove it from the control panel on windows you would have to log into a creative cloud account but it had to be an active creative cloud account Oh, so if if your subscription was lapsed, then uh, you are... It was uh, extremely difficult to remove Creative Cloud from your computer, which thankfully has now been fixed. But so, so once we do that, I'm like, okay, let's reboot it. Um, I normally don't run those um, clean my Mac, clean my PC utilities. But I was like, you know, this has been an OS that's that's been upgraded a couple times. It's like an old 2014 MacBook Pro, right? So I was like, you know, let's. I'll download it. I'll run it because I have a, I have a license to clean my Mac 10. I've used it once or twice um, on my own computer, and so I ended up getting some more space back. I went through her library folder, like you know, looked through for any like weird files of some weird preferences, deleted those from leftover programs, just because I don't know they might be. Like if you delete Google Chrome on a Mac, right? The Google update or process will stay, will keep running in the background. Yeah, it's still there. It's a separate. Yeah, it's a separate. Ditto for any yeah. Microsoft software. The Microsoft Auto Updater tool does not get removed if you uninstall the Microsoft program from a Mac, which should be illegal. I'm just gonna put that out there. That's disgusting. Yeah, that's that's just that just that just bad. Like like that's just bad software development because it's just that you're not cleaning up after yourself and that's just gross it's just gross behavior and the computer's continuously picking your servers for no reason because it's checking for an update and it's like cool we're gonna update and the software's like oh there's nothing there and like cool check back again later like it's it it, it it's yeah it's just gross so i'm like i remove all those and i'm like okay cool let's reboot this computer she gets back to work 20 minutes later i'm running out of storage again i'm like oh okay so i open activity monitor and I, I go to this, I go to storage, right? And I'm looking at it and I'm seeing her do, her storage go from 10 gigs free, 7 gigs free, 3 gigs free, 2 gigs free, 10 megs free. And this is within a span of two minutes. Holy shit. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, some, yeah, and I'm that's just like, what the, what the fuck is going on here? So I then I'm like, okay, what process is writing all of this data? And so I sort it by 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 reads and writes, and I look at this one called Bird, and then I also go to the CPU um, and RAM um, resource um, monitors, and I also see that Bird is using like it's spiking her CPU at like a hundred percent, and I'm just like, what is this? So I go ahead, I Google Bird, and guess what Bird is? iCloud Drive's watcher service. So and this is where I start putting one and one together because I'm like, hmm. A React folder likely has, like I said, 50,000 files. And hey, say if you have maybe like another framework you're using, it can easily get up to 200,000 files, 100 yeah, that's, files. That's a million, like a million files even. Like if you have multiple projects, that's like, uh, that's a lot of because files. Because this is why he's normally right. It's only these files live in the Node modules folder if you're working like a Node.js project. And like by default, every like Node.js project always has a Git anywhere with it. Because you are, if you like use Git with it, it'll just throw a bunch of garbage in your Git repo. So, but so I'm looking there and I'm like, hmm, okay then. So what's the fix for this? So my first instinct was, well, let's move it to her uh, downloads folder, right? Like, let's just move it outside of any tracked folder. I go ahead and do it. And then all I see is Finder just spin and spin and spin with a window that says preparing to move. And I'm like, okay, 
she has an SSD in here. It's on NVMe one, so it's a little bit slower. So I'm like, I'll give it ten minutes. But uh, but it's still yeah, like ten minutes on the same screen, and then I'm like, oh god, we're running into a problem. And so after I reboot the machine, I try doing it again. Same thing. I reboot the machine, disconnected from the internet, because I'm like, okay, maybe iCloud Drive is like trying to finalize some stuff before pulling it out of the folder, right? Maybe it's, it's like blocking it from being moved. So I'm like, you know, whatever. Let's go ahead. Let's just move it out of there. So I do that, and then as well, same thing happens. At this point, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And then it hit me. It hit me. I'm like, oh wait a minute. If I need to move files out of a folder, I can use a terminal. So I'm like, okay, we're gonna move it out from there. So I move it out of the terminal. And then I was like, okay, let's reboot. Let's see if iCloud Drive stops pegging it. iCloud Drive's still pegging it. That's the machine's still getting destroyed by iCloud Drive. And I'm like, at this point, I had to go into library. I had to force kill the bird process. I had to delete the iCloud Drive folder out of her library. I had to reboot the machine and just do that like twice. And because the problem ended up being if you went in there, it kept making copies of every single file recursively. Because there were so many, it was, I guess that it was like breaking somewhere, tracking so many files that it just got into a recursive loop of duplicating the file data. So that's why this was running out of disk space because it just kept duplicating files. And, and then once it, once we got it back there, I was like, okay, I'm going to create a um, working folder in your home directory, put all of your projects in there, like her photos and some other documents and like some other stuff. I was like, that's safe to go back into iCloud Drive. But any like, Developer project, put it in this one. Um, you use Git, so honestly, you're not gonna, you shouldn't lose any work if you're if you're using it properly. Just don't sync it to iCloud Drive. Yeah, just don't sync it to iCloud Drive. That's. I think the lesson here is that the iCloud iCloud Drive was never optimized for syncing a lot of a lot a lot of small, very small files. Like that is it is it is inefficient at that. And, and the thing as well is she was like. How the fuck did you know what to do there? Like she looked at me, she's like, she looks, she's like, I know how to code. She's like, she knows how to code. She like knows how to use a computer, right? But she just looked at me afterwards and she's like, I would have never figured that out. How the fuck did you figure that out? And I'm like, I'm like, the only reason I figured it out is because I've done a bunch of silly bullshit on Linux in my past. So I know like I I I've ran I've created these problems for myself before. But I look at it, I'm like, you're right though. Like there's no and there's no way for you to have known. And honestly, if you had taken this computer to an Apple store, I highly doubt they wouldn't have known either. They wouldn't have known. I highly doubt they would have, like, the only thing they would have, what they would have said probably is to, like, re-image the machine, like, like, clear out iCloud and, like, remove everything from iCloud Drive and then re-image the machine. That's all they could have done at the Apple store, I think. Like, that's, that would have been... Or they would have told her that her, her SSD was going bad, right? Because it's very easy. It's very easy to say like this is a sign of like a failing disk tool. I mean, maybe, maybe. I mean, they have, they have. I mean, at least I think I know Apple, Apple, uh, Apple te- techs at the Apple Store do have special diagnostic software that is that gives them a lot of information about the, about the machine actually. Uh, and like, I don't know. Like, I don't think it would have been a failing disk. They would, like the failing disk would have shown, like if there was a failing SSD, that like that would be that would show up immediately on their diagnostics uh, because there are all sorts of signs that a drive is failing. But like, they would have been like flummoxed by like they would have seen the CPU process and they'd be like an iCloud drive issue. I guess we'll just wipe the machine and like wipe iCloud drive and uh, just reinstall macOS because that would have been the, probably the easiest and fastest solution. 
uh, even though it like it is a, dis- a destructive solution. Because yeah, it probably- uses all of our data that maybe might have been backed up or tracked or whatever. Or all preferences too, right? All of our they would have, yeah, they would have probably asked her to like do a, like they could have done like a full image backup. They could have, I, I guess, I don't know if Apple stores offer. Well, I mean, if you did a full image backup, right? If you restore it, you got the same problem. That, that's the issue. Yeah, I mean, but you could mount it. You could mount it like they could like you could buy like a uh, external drive and put the image on there and then use mount that image and then copy your files over, right? You could. That's the thing you can do but it's obviously expensive to do it time consuming and restoring backups is uh it takes time uh so it's like it's this is not like i think i think uh the real point of this this segment i think is not just this specific issue even though it is a it is a very interesting issue is that the issue is that file systems uh not file systems just operating systems in general have all these components now that are that are in some ways necessary to use the operating system, but at the same time, they don't have the same reliability of, of the core operating system, like the kernel or the, uh, or like very, uh, like basic utilities. Like they are these, like the iCloud drive as an example is the, is an application that is just, it, it comes pre-installed. So it means that any Mac OS user is likely to be using iCloud drive at the same time. Now that means that. Def, like the, like a lot of people probably accidentally using iCloud Drive as well because they just put files in that folder, right? And they just it's even better, right? Is like people are actually using iCloud Drive, and a lot of people are probably running out of their iCloud storage limits by default, right? Because you only get five gigs. And the the part that really like upset me is so I use Time Machine. So I I've, I think we talked about backup strategy before. I have a I use Backblaze for cloud backup for offsite. I use a time machine hooked up to mechanical spinning drive. It's a four terabyte one, but it's, I mean, it's a spinning drive, but it's whatever because it's only used for backup purposes. And iCloud, I mean, your time machine has never stopped working, right? With the amount of files. iCloud Drive, I've had similar issues where iCloud Drive will stop working because if I accidentally throw like a developer project in there. But time machine can individually track every file. Time machine can back it up once an hour. And time machine never spikes my CPU. Time machine is a very low memory process. So, I feel like there's there's a part there's someone at Apple who has written a similar tool for watching files and and backing them up in a in a way that's low low resource usage and that is that doesn't choke. Yeah. So let me tell you, uh, Time Machine is a very mature project, right? It has existed for for a while. I don't know how long it has ex- how long time. Probably a decade has. at this point. So a decade. So it is a mature code base, a mature project, and I bet you the developers who originally worked on on a uh, Time Machine are probably not even around anymore. Like they're probably not even at Apple. They're probably retired. Uh, like you know, the the probably like senior developer. Time Machine came out in Mac OS 10.5. When did 10.5 come out? 10.5 came out 18 years. No, that's Mac OS. Mac OS came out 18 years ago. I'm a liar. Mac OS 10.5. Let's see, Leopard. Oh, it's Leopard. Leopard. 2007. Okay, so that's still like that's a that's a long that's tail 13 of pro- years. 13 that's a 13 years. Year that's, old that's, uh, that's a mature project, and probably developed by by. By a different mindset of developers, I, I presume they had to, they had to know, like the, the, the way Time Machine is designed, it is, it is backing up your entire file system, you know, every file, right? And it has to be able to deal with large amounts of files because, uh, like Apple, like developers, uh, the developers who developed it probably knew by themselves that, uh, user data is important and that users gonna have all sorts of uh, amounts of files and we need to be ready for that. And it was probably optimized very well over, over the course of that development period. And 
I would bet that knowledge is not being passed passed down to the iCloud Drive team, right? Like it is not, it's not being transitioned. Or, like it's not like it's not there's no doesn't seem to be like a knowledge transfer going on, uh, which which is normal, which is pretty common. It's unfortunately very common amongst these like large companies with multiple software teams, right? You, you have one one like teams doing the similar things but not really talking to each other, right? Uh, yeah, it's it's just a shame, and it's it was just frustrating because if. If I wasn't able there to like there to troubleshoot it for her, she honestly would have just been fucked because she was in the middle of trying to get work done. She lost like two hours of work because she couldn't save or and push something to get because VS Code was complaining about no space for her to even save a file. So it's like I've, you know how the fix was to actually get the uh like to get some of the code over. She had to text it to me because iMessage would let her send a message, and then just copy and paste like a, a huge ass text message back and which is ridiculous that is that is also as well the fact that apple still sells computers of 128 gigs of storage should be illegal also yeah yeah i mean uh, i don't like it is it is just like there's multiple issues here and it's like apple is i i don't think i like i would i i i I pay for icloud uh storage every month but it's not something i want to do it's something i basically have to do if i want to use apple devices because five gigabytes in 2020 is like it's like 100 megabytes it's like it's like it's basic five gigabytes is nothing i have like like okay so for a reference here right so for a reference the um, a working project of all the stems and whatever of a Shades of Brown episode is usually around a gig and, and some some change. Yeah. So imagine if you want to store Shades of Brown uh, project files on iCloud Drive. Uh, that's like five episodes, maybe. Uh, and it's like, that's... And it's, it's and not that's even, only five episodes, not any other user data. Yeah, and, also, and also, like you're sharing that storage if you use other Apple devices. Like if you use an iPhone... Uh, and you're storing back, you're storing not backups, like, uh, photo, photos. photos. Fo- actually, backups too. Backups, photos, they all count towards your iCloud storage. And it's like, you, if you're in the Apple ecosystem fully, like, you are, iCloud is, you have basically, you don't have to, but it's basically like strongly incentivized that you use iCloud, right? And, and, and they give you five gigabytes of storage. Obviously, the money thing is like, they wanted you. They want you paying for that iCloud uh, storage subscription, right? That that's the that's the play here. It's this is the services play, uh, and but the services are not reliable enough for this. That's the thing, right? It's like iCloud Drive is not good enough for this shit. Like it's it's it. If you want it to store, if you want users to put their files on there, you gotta be able to deal with shit like shit like that, like uh, uh, node projects. Like you gotta be able to. Deal with that shit. Like, man. like, listen. Like, I agree with I agree with whoever. There's probably someone at Apple who's like, "That's ridiculous for these other projects." I mean, and I get it. But hey, you people people use the computers the way they want to, and you have to be receptive to how they're using their computers. You have to be. Key, you have to keep your mind open, right? You cannot. You cannot dictate something like that, like how people use their, like where people put their files. Like that's not you can something you can easily dictate. Like you could encourage people to put files in a certain location, but people are not. Like people are people are gonna put files where they want to put files, and it's like that's essentially too. So it's a huge part of Apple's developer base, right? Is or a huge part of Apple's customer base are developers, and most people who do development do web dev, like as a whole, right? Like it's most programmers are programming web programs in some way or another, right? We, we do not. It, it is this is not a world where the majority of people are doing mobile native development, where a x an, um, an Xcode project isn't as disgustingly nested of files like a like a React project is. Yeah, 
and like we can we like the problem like we can call no shit for like doing that sort of thing but that doesn't really like I mean, it's also a shit show, but it's like, this is a, like a difference. Like, there are two problems, right? One does not negate the other. Exactly. Like, both are like, both are problems on its own. And like, one of them doesn't need to be a problem, right? Like, like, like Mac OS, like iCloud Drive should be able to handle that many files without, or if, if it can't, it should like be able to like, like make it if it sees that that many files it should be like okay uh that's that's a large amount of files i'm gonna have to back off and do them maybe in batches right maybe do them when the computer is powered uh, powered uh in sleep mode or like connected to battery and uh like you know like make it more like so that it doesn't interrupt like the cpu usage of the i I think the problem too is that it it breaks the the user model that we all have of like mac os and I wonder how OneDrive handles this on Windows too. I actually, Windows users who have used OneDrive to back up programs before, please let me know how that works. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't use, I use OneDrive, but I, I never, I would never use it for doing something like, uh, like, uh, like a node. Because you can turn on OneDrive to do document backup. You can do the same thing as iCloud if you wanted to. Yeah. Yeah, I know you can. Like, I don't turn it on because I just, I just have a distrust of these, like OneDrive. OneDrive is mostly fine. I use it on Windows, but sometimes, occasionally, it fails to sync files, uh, and I have to restart the OneDrive after get it to sync again, which is uh, which is something a normal user will never do. Just saying, that's only me and you how to do it because we we've used Gentoo and Arch Linux, and we've dealt with some weird we've dealt with some weird shit in our lives. <laughs> yeah, just I just have to like exit OneDrive and restart it to get it to start syncing again because it, for some reason it forgot that it needs to do syncing. Uh, for some actually, reason. I ran into that problem. Um, you remember how I told you I uh, was upgrading the this my one friend's computer to have an SSD in it, her laptop. Like we were under the assumption, she was like, "Oh, I threw everything in OneDrive last night, so it should be good." <laughs> we only got about half of it back. Oh yeah, so don't assume, don't assume that the cloud drive, like unless you verify. Because I mean, I, she was like, "I put it in the folder." I'm like, "Well, didn't you check the website?" And she's like, "Well, why should I if I put it in the folder?" And I'm like, "You know, I can't get mad at you." Yeah, yeah it's not your fault. It's not, it's not your, your fault. fault. But but back to what I was saying earlier, though, right? It's that these issues break the, the user model and what we're told that these operations have scale, right? Because think about it like this. Let's say you're a super rich Mac Pro owner and you pay Apple for like a terabyte of storage a month, right? And you have a terabyte of storage and you as a Mac Pro person, you have a bunch of like, let's say Adobe or Final Cut Pro projects, right? With these huge files. And hey, you're on gigabit Ethernet because you're at a production shop. You likely have an offsite backup. But hey, you have iCloud back, you have iCloud Drive on because that's how the computer comes pre-configured. And you know... Apple, it's the operating system can handle these huge files, right? Like Mac OS can handle Mac Mac OS has no problem. Mac OS has absolutely no problem with those files, yeah. But I want I'm just like, imagine having the same issue on a Mac Pro, right? Imagine how bad it would have to get before it starts pegging a Xeon. <laughs> like this thing would probably spend a this thing would probably just how much recursive garbage data would be on this computer. And imagine if you paid like what is like twenty grand for a Mac Pro, and you're like you run into this issue. Like I would, I would be livid. Like that would be, like I would never use that. Like I would, I would be like turn off fucking iCloud right now. Like disable the service, remove the fucking files. Uh, like I swear to God, it's it's, it's this is the thing. Like users are going to use these files. They have this assumption that these files are going to be synced properly and kept up to date and uh, just just it's just it's just going to work like it, that's you know it's just going to work but it doesn't right like it just it and, just and it doesn't. should work it should like honestly there's I don't disagree with iCloud Drive being a thing it's just I it needs to be reliable this this sync needs to be reliable also it's like 
it's and it's this is the thing like because it's like in the background and it's not like something you uh, like obtrusive in your face like you don't know there's a failure right if there is a failure i think icloud drive should be like hey your you know, these these number of files have not been synced for x y x or why reason? Or like, if OneDrive is failing to sync, they could be like, "Hey, uh, if if you're like, if you try to like save something to OneDrive, it'll be like, hey, uh, your files are not syncing for X. So try restarting OneDrive or contacting like I don't know support or something. Like if you're like an Apple computer. Or hell, even if if so, let's say I put a Node project in there, right? If iCloud Drive was like, okay, there's four hundred thousand files in this folder. Um, we, yeah, like we're we're not going to like if it popped the message saying syncing will be off by default. Right click and and click sync or whatever to actually get the process started but be aware right like be aware that this may cause problems like if i had a warning like that i'd be like fair like hey i get it it's four hundred thousand files like that's <laughs> ridiculous i think it's the thing i think uh which what is i think the real biggest problem is the silent failure states right like the silent failure states leading to loss of data which is like a crucial failure as like as a software developer you should never like your software should ideally never fail in in such a way that it is a silent fail it's silently failing and failing to notify the user of the failure and also at the same time losing user data by by doing that right that should never like that should be like a core tenet of the software development is that you you don't lose the user's data but secondly you also notify the user of of, of a certain failures, like you, like you don't have to notify them of every small small error in your application, but you have to notify them of certain crucial uh, failure states, right? That like that is like that is like a like a, I don't know why like I think it's sort of like an application development mentality. It's like sort of sort of gone away with time. Is like like some Linux programs you'll see like they're very verbose in their logging, right? Like they they, they log like all sorts of the stuff. But like like is iCloud Drive logging its stuff anywhere? Like can you can you like is- it is you well so you have to so um there's a URL that I put in there in the uh, in the show notes and. You can run the bird process from the terminal with logging enabled, but at the same time, no one, no one's trained to do that. Me and you will do that because we're like we're strange computer people, right? No one will, no one will actually do that in like actuality. Yeah, and that's like that's not that's not telling the all users that your has there's been a failure. So that's only a very specific subset of users will even think to do that, right? And like the most of the people are just gonna be like dealing with the silent failure state, and they're and eventually what's gonna happen is they're gonna be distrustful of iCloud Drive and be like, hey, I I don't trust cloud software to sync my files, so I'm gonna I don't know I'm gonna fucking use USB drives and sync files my, manually because fuck that works at least you know like that works reliably. Uh, like I'm just gonna use Time Machine. I don't know. Like fuck. Like it's like why? Why would they like like a user become like? I used to be skeptical of users that are distrustful of cloud syncing utilities like this. And uh, back then, I would be like, ah, these users are just like you know, sort of like like behind on the times. You know, like they're just like skeptical of this new technology. But now I'm just like, yeah, like why would they be trustful of this? Like there is the there the software has given them no reason. Like it's silently failing, it's losing data, it's crashing, it's using CPU, and it's like that's 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 not good. That's not good software design. That's it's terrible. Uh and like the other issue we have to talk about, like this is in a similar vein, but this is even slightly even worse in some ways, is uh there was a, a Windows 10 update that had a, I guess that had a bug uh, that uh, caused data loss, right? Like it caused, uh, 
it wiped system like wiped settings, right? It wiped all the all their it wiped an entire user's profile. So C slash users slash whatever username. Ah, okay, okay. So like app data and like like a like user directory, right? It just it's just gone. Which like I I don't know about you, but like that's that seems like you know uh, like this is not the first time this has happened, right? Like because the subheading on the Windows Seven article is like not again, and this has which means and the problem with these Windows updates is that these are automatic updates, right? So it's like it's a roulette. It's a roulette if your user data is gonna get lost. Now I'm now I'm like paranoid. I'm not paranoid. Like I I haven't used like I I don't back up my local user directory because there's not really anything there that needs to be backed up because all the stuff I backed up is either. Uh, on my NAS, which uh, which parts of it are backed up, and also some of it is on OneDrive. Now I'm just like I need to I need to get Backblaze or some shit because I'm I'm like getting paranoid about this now. Talking about this to, to on the podcast, I'm just getting paranoid. I'm just like, hey, what if, what if Windows updates one day and and it loses my entire like if it loses my entire user directory, that's problematic for me. Even if I don't lose any files, because I, I, to get back up and running, I have to set everything up again. Like that's that's like. I mean, think about it too. If it's a Windows update, it can be hot patched in the middle of the day, right? Not every Windows update requires a reboot. Let's say you're at work, you go, do you go for your lunch, you come back, and what the fuck's gone with my computer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like thankfully, I've never like Windows updates have the Windows 10 updates have not been a problem for me. Knock on wood. But uh, like, I it's like. I, I understand the people who don't update Windows. Like they are like, I'm gonna this update works for me. I'm not gonna update because they are worried. Like this, this has created this uh, rightfully like among users a paranoia that their use the data is gonna be gone. The computer's gonna stop working. They're gonna have to reinstall applications. They're gonna have to restore from backups. Like. Like that is like users are fearful of the software updates because software updates are getting these sorts of issues. Like if this was just like, hey, maybe like uh like maybe like a start menu animation is weird, but uh, the, everything else is fine. That's not that. It's just like it's losing data straight up, uh, and like that is just it's breaking rule number one of computers. Rule number one: you don't lose user data. <laughs> yeah, it's like chats just. That's just I ah, man, it's this this fucking sucks. It's like yeah, this kind of bugs like I like Windows really shouldn't like oh boy. And as well for the uh for all the Linux users in the audience, please feel free to share your horror stories of Linux randomly losing u- user data. Because as far as I'm aware, like a Linux system not running any like cloud backup service or whatever should be pretty good from yeah, what I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, if you, if, if you'd like to join in on us um, pouring gasoline on the fire, that is modern day computing with your Linux stories, by all means, I'd be more than happy to hear them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have, I, I, I actually distinctly remember, I should remember this. This is, this has been a long time, but I, now that I've remembered there was a steam game or a steam installer, like the installer for steam. Somebody made a typo in the bash script. Which deleted the user's home directory. Wait, okay, let's 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 see. I think this was a Valve like a Valve installer thing, and somebody caught it straight away, right? Like somebody, like as soon as the update goes out, somebody has like, hey, 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 wait, hold up, nobody run this because it's like, uh, like Smash script. Somebody made a typo, like uh, like they didn't they didn't like type the path 
uh, like the variable properly. And that means like the RM tool, which is the file, the utility to remove files would re- recursively remove, uh, everything in your home directory. Uh, and that is, um, uh, so like, you know, you know, when you run ba- ran- random bash scripts from the cloud, you know, you should read. Them. Okay. So I just found it. So, um, it is a, uh, it's, it's basically, it's pulling the path of, um, of of the directory CDing into a specified directory, and then using the P- PWD command to figure out where that directory lives. But the problem is, they are they. There's a typo in the command that returns an empty string. You're basically getting rm rf steam root, but in actuality, because it's returning empty for that steam root variable, you're you're basically doing rm rf slash uh-huh. piece of sim linking. It's an issue. It was an issue with catching the symlink to the Steam root folder. Yep, yep, yep. And it's like if if, if if that is running as root, congratulations, you just erased your fucking files. Actually, RM will not remove your files without another special flag, right? I think uh, that is the case. Uh, but like, even then, that's a very like that's the thing that can happen. Like you, it's not. It's like it's like bad software development is not limited to Windows or Mac OS. Um, Linux, Linux, like Bash scripts, you can easily make a typo like that. Like uh, I know any, like I know at least like probably one Linux user uh, who has like accidentally written a script that like removes like a bunch of files that they didn't mean to remove because they like fucked up the the variable substitution or something like that. Or like sometimes I I think it's happened to me once. I like I think I wrote like a little automation to do something in my user local folder. And instead of user local, you know, I might have done some things to the system local. And you know, it's 2010s. You're a Linux user, you're a power user, you're elite. So I mean, hell yeah, pseudo before everything. I fucking know what I'm doing. It's my computer. And then next thing you know, um, you deleted your local folder. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Shit happens. I mean, that's actually at least at least a user error, and like a user can make that error and be like, "Okay, I fucked up. That's that's my bad." All right. On Linux, like if you wrote that script and you ran that and you did verify it, you didn't test it. Uh, so that's your bad. But this stuff, it's like that's this is not you're not developing this software, and it's uh, you trust that the developer of this software is uh, is is not making critical errors like that, and and is the software is tested and like doesn't result in data loss. But but that's not that's not a guarantee. So so congratulations. Uh, Linux nerds, I guess. I don't know. And also, congratulations to all of these companies who fired their QA teams and use open beta programs to test for issues in the wild with a reduced QA staff. You know, that's also another thing. You know, Microsoft and Apple can afford to have big QA teams. And hey, it might make operating system development slower. But as we've talked about, I think me and you both lean on the... Uh, honestly, upgrading an OS every two years instead of one year or waiting is perfectly fine. It's it's fine to me. I pref- like I have like um before when I used to use Linux, I used to switch distros fairly often. But nowadays, I, I have I've been using Windows for a long t- for a while now, and I'm just like I want stability uh, in my operating system more than anything else. And like if I 
if I didn't play like Windows specific games, I would be using Linux. And if I'd be using Linux, it would be probably be a Ubuntu LTS release because I know LTS releases are like stable and like they don't like only security and uh, like critical software updates are uh, sent through. And it's like, uh, it's not going to like, uh, it, unless I make some stupid, like unless I write a broken script, I'm not going to break my system. Right. Uh, and like, that's, that's critical to me. Like it's critical to me that these systems like stay working, which is, which is not a guarantee anymore which is amazing to me it's like feels like a regression in some ways right it feels like a regression from computing like even like 10 years ago uh it's like there's more computers are doing more things but they're doing more of these things unreliably uh and they feel so silently right it's just always for a regular user me and you at least we know hey okay i guess i have to go monitor processes in the terminal let me open activity monitor let me just see what's using my network let me see what's using all the cpu usage let me see if something's you know recursively writing to storage until i run out right like i can look for those but for someone who say even like someone who's like a power user right say like someone who does audio work someone who does video work if you don't know anything about this and you're not like a you're not it's not like you're you're not using your computer to like its fullest potential like how if you're doing number crunching you're doing a bunch of processing like yeah like you are you are a bona fide computer user but there's no expectation that you should know to go and monitor processes to see what the fuck is going on when things fail instead it just appears like oh this is hot and it's running slow and i don't know why yeah you don't know why <sighs> so that's that's our little uh, segment on uh, on just like in general, just like I think I guess it was more about not just operating systems, but just like like in general, more about software development than uh, like software development methodologies. And like I'm not I'm not a, I don't consider myself a programmer. Uh, I don't I don't write anything uh, like anything more than like small Python scripts. But like I, whenever I'm like I I mean it's it's hard though it is it's hard, but it's like at the same time these are big companies have the resources right we're not we're not talking about like say you know the that one guy who runs PC Linux OS right and him accidentally releasing a bug like that I don't even know if PC Linux OS is still a thing but if that was like if that was the case I'd be like you know what it's one person I can forgive that but Microsoft has enough resources to make sure this happens and guess what they do. Because guess what? Guess what part of say Google Cloud, uh, AWS, and Azure? You, well, guess we never hear about deletion of data. You never. Azure is rock solid, right? It's always the consumer parts that have it. Or hell, even on Apple side, iOS. All the issues iOS might have. iOS never deletes data. iOS, the processes for syncing never shits out. The A teams put on that. It's, it's whatever makes them the most money, right? That's 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 at the end of the day. And speaking of making money, uh, LG uh, has a new phone. I don't know if they're making money. <laughs> uh, LG's not making money. Um, you know, we spent far longer on the prior segment than we thought we would. So really, really, the only reason we're talking about this new LG phone is for <clears throat> is for is for this reason. It is the LG V60 Think Q, which makes you think you. <laughs> That's literally God, the only reason that. we wanted to talk about this. Oh just, my God. Just to make I just, that joke. I, I don't even want to talk about the phone, really. Like, I don't care about the phone enough to really. Okay. Like, well, see, so, you know, let's say it's a phone. It has specs. It has a 5G modem that probably may or may not be enabled depending on where you're at in the world. It's LG. So is a quad DAC. So Neil Young's happy. Um, you can get an extra screen for it. No one's going to buy it. The software is going to be garbage, but it's probably going to have a pretty dope screen and the camera is going to be okay. And it's also probably going to have a failing failing storage because it's an LG phone. LG, for some reason, LG phones have a notorious for storage-related issues, like flash failures. Uh, so, you know. 
I do want to say this Ars Technica article. I love the update. Update. I forgot to mention there is a headphone jack. <laughs> That's the only redeeming us thing about this phone. It's like, why else would you buy it in 2020? If you. If you listen to only anime OSTs of Flax, as we've been saying for years, I feel like at this point, buy an LG phone. Cause hey, you got two screens. You know, you can have, you can have, you can binge watch two episodes of anime at the same time. Holy shit. That's, that's a game changer right there. Like that's, that's, can, can you do like, that's, that's, you have, you have, you got, you got kiss anime on one screen and you got the YouTube rip on the bottom screen. Oh shit. Actually, buy or pay for your anime. Support support (laughs) the anime industry. The anime industry might be exploitative, but still, don't pirate anime. That's like, man, like nothing like this. That's it. That's that's all we're gonna say on the LG twenty twenty flagship. Yeah. So speaking about exploitative practices, I'm telling you about the latest Overwatch update. Mm, mm, Yeah. Well, uh, Jeff Kaplan uh, did a did a a developer update, and this was something like this was mentioned in the uh, previous developer update, which is the new. Uh, experimental mode in Overwatch, which uh, which is like uh, a mode where they can test out various, like ex- as the as the name suggests, like experimental modes to see what happens when they do like some very drastic change and that changes up the game significantly. And like what happens when you do that, and they don't want to put it in like the main modes like quick play or competitive. Uh, so they put it in this experimental mode, right? And the experimental mode this time around is called. Triple damage, which is, which it means, uh, your team's composition is going to be three, three DPS, two, two heal, two support, and one tank. And I, I, I imagine some people in the audience are like, oh, that sounds, uh, that sounds like the tank is going to have a bad time. And guess what? Yes, the tank's going to have a terrible time because, well, they did, did it make some buffs to Zarya's bubble where like Zarya is the only viable tank in this mode because Zarya has this ability, like change to her ability where like her allied bubbles are like, allied bubbles are like, like if your teammates are, like if you give an ally, uh, allied bubble, the teammates near it also get the bubble, which is different before only one person used to get the bubble. So that's like make, has made Zarya like immensely powerful. Uh, and like Zarya is the only viable tank and no, basically none of the other tanks are really easily viable because it's very hard to play as a solo tank without like, uh, an off tank to back you up. And like you have three DPS players to worry about now. And like your healers are trying to keep you up, but like they're also trying to keep the healer, like the DPS up. It's like, it's it's not a good time. Like it's it's I, I I tried playing it as a tank and as a support, and it's it's better to easier to play it as a support because at least like you have a consistent job. But like as a tank, you just like try to juggle like a billion things. They don't even bother playing like Reinhardt in this mode because you're just gonna fucking get just melted in like in one second, uh, and it's just gonna be like a very bad time. Uh, if you if you have to play a tank, you play Zarya or maybe you play Winston, right? Like it's like it is just such uh like it's like this i don't know if this how long they're going to be running this experimental mode for but i hope they're getting the data it's like zarya is is op in this mode and that's the only viable tank in this mode. what if so what if okay they had the triple damage mode but then they also made it where each team comps now seven people so you can still have two tanks i mean that would just that would just i mean yes i think some people have suggested like the number of people in an overwatch team like six is like possibly problematic in the way they're ba- being balanced and like if you increase or decrease the amount of people in the team maybe 
but also that creates probably other balancing issues. Like what happens now that you have added another tank slot, and but you also have three DPS. Like what does that like actually change for? Like it's not like a simple like what like rocks like rock paper scissors kind of thing, right? Like it's more complicated than that. But like my opinion on this is like I'm glad that they're trying this. I know some people are down on this. It's like why why the fuck would they even do something like that? I mean we've well you now you know what happens when you do it, right? Like it is that's why you do experiments is that you wanna you wanna get these results and see what the fuck's like what like what happens if you do this this change. It's like uh, well it, it, this happens, right? And they're trying to be more like proactive with them. They're trying to be like, as Jeff Kaplan mentioned in the previous developer update before this, uh, he's like, we're trying to be, we're trying to communicate better with, with, with players and like trying to iterate faster on changes. And one way to iterate faster on changes is to be, uh, do these experiments and like use these experiments as, as like, like, to make decisions on actual uh, proper updates for the game, right? Going forward. It's like, that is, I think this is a good thing that this is happening, even though it is busted, uh, that we now do we know it's like what it's like, like to be busted. And like, if, if that, if you can learn anything else, like is, is Zarya, like, can we tune Zarya in the normal mode? And like, is, 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 uh, do we need to buff our other tanks a little bit more? Maybe buff Reinhardt or maybe by buff a Winston a little bit more or like, or, or Diva, like what, like you can, you could get lessons from this. It's, 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 I don't think it is, uh, it, I don't, it's, 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 it's a good, good thing, it, even though it is like objectively not that fun to play if you play tank. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's, that's my thoughts on the, uh, experimental mode, uh, in Overwatch. Uh, do you have any thoughts? I don't know if you have any thoughts on this, but it's like, I, I feel like I feel like the, the arms meme for the Overwatch and the Destiny community is um, the devs are trash and nothing they do will ever make me happy. But I love to complain and make very long Reddit posts with a with with the with the perspective with the perspective of it being like a un, a wild can, uncanny theory, but as actually genuinely accepted by everyone in the community. Yeah, I mean, I have, I've, I've been unsubscribed from the R slash competitive Overwatch subreddit for a while now, and I'm not planning on going back. Uh, let me just put it that way. Let me just say that I'm not like I know there are good people in there, and, I, and I've read good discussions, and I've had like like it's, it sometimes has very good and productive and useful and insightful posts and discussions, but most of the time it's like people making armchair balancing essays uh if you can call them essays uh it's, it's it's i if i wanted to read bad think pieces i would just go on medium uh instead you know like <laughs> i don't i don't need that in uh, when i'm like trying to enjoy a video game uh so so that's that's overwatch so do you want to talk about we don't want to talk about destiny and hit all the all the bingo cards yeah we can end this out end this out with the uh, next destiny season so um the earlier this season bungie opened up a a event called Restoring the Imperium Foundation. And the idea is that all you could grind for polarized fractaline, which was the uh, the currency of this season, and you can donate it to this foundation. And what it did, no one really knew until the donation started coming in. And then in the crucible um, on the director's actually going to PvP mode, a icon would appear saying how much donations have been made by the community. And the location... It was the same location as the lighthouse from Destiny One, which is which is the lighthouses were Trials of Osiris, which was the only outside of Iron Banana, um, the only other end game PvP mode 
in Destiny, which basically was a 3v3, no matchmaking, um, elimination game mode. You get you have to get a card each week, and you have three losses and nine wins. If you lost three times, your your card's done for, and then you can turn it in to get some gear. And then if obviously the more you win versus how much you've lost, you get better gear. And if you won nine times straight and had no losses, yet you got a flawless card, you would then go to the lighthouse and there'd be a chest there where you can get some pinnacle end game gear. And it was generally loved as a, as a game mode because it was like it was the it was rating for PvP players, right? Like it, it's designed for most people to probably play a couple matches and either strike out or or just not do, finish it in entirety, right? So it was really like maybe one percent of the population ever went to like the lighthouse, but I think that's fine though, right? Like I think that's fine for the population of the game because it's like. It's like going. What was the highest in, o- in Overwatch for like a season? Diamond or platinum? Oh, Grandmaster, <laughs> uh, Grandmaster. Yeah, I mean, pro players are. It's yeah, like going like, Grandmaster in a season. Basically, it's it's that like not many people are going to do it. But hey, no, it's like the point one percent of the po- population. Yeah, um, but it's fun to play towards, and you and you could also it, it like it it gives streamers something to do right on the weekend. Like you'd be like, okay, hey, I've been doing other content. Now let's do trials for a stream or whatever, right? It just brings the community together, even if you don't play it. And and it's it, and it's also like like the challenge gives you like this like this sweaty sort of like three your three losses that you eliminated sort of like a it feels very like sweaty right like you're like oh yeah, yeah you get like really clutch plays right where like say it's one person left two people are down and then you know you you, you that dude he just comes through and makes like a sick play and takes out all three of them. Yeah, it's it's like it's like in it's like in Counter Strike, uh, it's Counter Strike where like everybody on your team is done, but you're like the only person alive, and you're like you kill and you, and the entire enemy team is alive, but somehow you like do these clutch shots and like you kill everybody and like defuse the bomb, right? Like that that sort of yeah, like that sort of feeling is is great in a multiplayer. I think this is like I've never played Trials, but like I'm I don't know if I'm ready to play Trial, and I don't enjoy Destiny PvP enough to play a sweaty Destiny PvP mode, but like. I get the appeal of of like it, so it's coming back so it's 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 yeah it's coming because it, it, it was called Trials of the Nine when Destiny Two first came out and they took it away because it was underperforming because Bungie uh, made changes to it that were silly and kind of broke with the whole point of Trials so they're not bringing it back um, which is all this donation effort was for was to bring that back and there's been a little bit of drama with it. Because so trials in Destiny One was light enabled, right? Which higher power means you you perform better, which was fine in Destiny One, because Destiny One didn't have the ever ending grind of power levels. In Destiny Two, right, you the hard cap right now is nine seventy, but you can keep grinding past nine seventy. It just resets every season with the artifact level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The artifact level. And the argument, the community is like, well, like what the fuck. I can. Why am I going to get destroyed by someone who literally just grinds bounties all day? Like it, it removes the skill. Peace Bungie was like, "Oh, we're not going to turn off artifact uh, power level for this," and everyone was just pissed. No one, everyone, no one understood why. They ended up walking it back, though. They were like, "Okay, yeah, everyone's been screaming at us for like the past three days about it. We're just going to turn it off." <laughs> like, yeah, that's like if yeah, if you're going to make that, it's, that's that's going to be unbalanced as fuck. And like, yeah. Because there's probably going to be already enough complaining about the weapon balance as is, right? Like, there's a lot of nerfs coming to weapons to um to go ahead and make them less potent in in trials. But I imagine it's basically going to be recluse mountaintop and 
maybe Izanagi's burden, probably like some really good AOE or sort of like a some kind of maybe Deathbringers for actually maybe Jodon. There might be there's a couple of like grenade launcher style guns you could probably do for the heavy slot as an exotic, but. But the but this this brings up the next point, which is Bungie also released a very early version of their director's cut because they released a director cut last year, a three part, basically going over the state of the game. And the we were thinking that it'd be come out later in the year, right when the fall expansion comes out. But the game director Luke Smith released one um, last week as well, and basically he's just like, so we're gonna make some big changes to the game. The first being we're gonna stop adding new things. Like and not adding new new things in terms of like content, but game modes. They're like this. We're they're like we're running into technical problems maintaining the game, and I think they're implying that they don't want to recreate a whole new game, and they'd rather just fix the issues with this one and keep building upon Destiny Two. Yeah, I mean, I, that's that's I I think the like I I sort of skimmed through it. Uh, I think when like when it, when you sent it to me, and I was like, the gist I've got from it is that they're trying to sort of stabilize Destiny 2, right, as like a as a game and make it more like a mature code base in a way, right? Like make it more Because we ran into the issues, right, where they had to roll back user data two times in a week because of some server issues. So they so they they have like the they're like they're biting more than they can uh like actually do. Because they're saying like last year Forsaken, right? They had two partner studios that Activision was funding to help make content. And they were like, we can't make that much content as one studio and you know prevent crunch from happening. So we're not going to do that. And right now, they're making game modes that go away after a season, right? Sundial, uh, Vex Offensive, all of those, they're around for the season and then they're taken out of the game. And Bungie's like, it's a waste of time for us to make a game mode that goes away because that means we don't have enough budget to work on the core game modes, right? Like we have a team, we have our team building this um, Vex offensive, this sundial mode, but then that means we can't put effort into strikes or gambit, right? Like we, we, we're not able to do both where we can improve gambit and strikes and that player experience and also create this new game mode. So going forward, they want to go ahead and just work on game modes and basically have a twist on a game mode each season, right? So say, like the like, there are like some ideas where like, okay, this season we'll have Gambit. Like we'll introduce like some weird new modifier or some new way to play Gambit. But it's always it's always improving on the core game mode, and it's not creating a new experience. Right. So they just they just want to yeah, just want to add variety to the existing stuff instead of like creating all this new content that's like expensive to make. Obviously, right? Yeah. And and it's also the player mindset of there's so much to do in this game, and none of it matters, right? Because if you have to go to this game mode for X thing, but in order to progress in the season, you have to go to Y game mode. They're like, well, players are now being pulled in multiple directions, and we have no clear path on how you're supposed to level up and how progress through a season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And one thing that actually stood out to me was they're rem- they're going to be removing bright engrams as purchasable items, which is uh, entirely loot boxes are now gone. Yeah, which is actually this is like bigger news than I. I didn't expect like I that was like a short small paragraph in there and I was just like uh they want players to know what something costs before they buy it which is like yeah I mean that's that's good like that's that's should I think they're moving to the cash shop model the more they go free to play right I think the cash shop model works a lot better for them than loot boxes does because that's how Warframe does it yeah, well, you can just buy stuff. Like you can like just buy the stuff you want, and you get you pay for a thing, and you get the thing. It's which is sounds like a novel concept in video game development these days. But like apparently, uh, this is that's like one of the biggest things that came out. I was like, okay, that's the. I think the second biggest thing though too is they were saying that they're going to start retiring weapons, and people are pissed because they're basically like, okay, 
like he basically said he's like okay so you've been playing the game since launch we keep making new weapon quests and new weapons but you keep using your mita oh no if they retire mita i'm fucking uninstalling destiny i'm fucking uninstalling it yeah like what's the point <laughs> they're there but they were like but, but th- you get the idea right they're like we we have put so much into this game but people stick with the weapons they use and it and that means and that means we have to keep we have to keep balancing activities with this one gun we released three years ago that everyone wants to use and it may and it stifles like the kind of content we can make which makes sense yeah and but but pe- pe- people are not going to be happy about that for sure there's no way to make that change and make people happy because people well they said that the Midas thing so they said exotics are not going to get touched by this but what they're going to do is legendary weapons they're going to start having a, a curve right so at, at and say like not this season but they're like next season every gun in the game that that was released the season prior cannot be infused right to the highest light level and then we're gonna start dropping off the level the what kind of weapons can go to the highest light level and basically just ro- slowly roll down weapons so that they're no longer be competitive for end game modes where we we want to design these new experiences and we'll just start you know have to use new weapons that's like it's it's like that's just like yeah like they are just gonna like that's gonna piss us even like the legendaries are probably gonna piss off some people but like at least my my Mida is safe for now. Uh. <laughs> but, but I mean, it, it's power creep in the game, right? Like it's it's the same it's the same idea of Overwatch League and why you know why 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 Jeff is Jeff is scared. Jeff is scared. I think Jeff was Jeff always looks so tired in these videos. Jeff, I hope you're getting enough because you can't buff everything up, right? You always you can't because that just makes it that makes time to kill go high and it just makes it a different game so that's the thing about balance you always want to buff things down a little bit rather than buff everything up to match the most powerful thing you gotta hit them hit, hit them with the nerf sometimes right you can't just be buffing all the time like you gotta you gotta nerf you gotta take away some abilities you gotta rework some abilities like it's the same like like, in, like destiny and overwatch are very different games but like th- that thing is true is that you can't just keep adding things and keep increasing things without like eventually running into this very problem which is power creep right and that is a a common discussion topic in the overwatch community and uh yeah boy uh it's 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 hard to balance video games who knew uh in 2020 so i i I recommend if you play destiny i think you should read this by the way like i think it is worth a read and luke smith is is uh is a good writer i think uh he he writes it's it's kind of funny to read this stuff actually um and I don't think you get this sort of transparency from a developer often, and I think it's worth appreciating that as well. Because there's a lot of like, there's a lot of like, we're thinking about doing this and not we're committing to doing this in there. He's basically just like, here's, he's like, we want this, we want it to be aspirational to play this game, right? We want it to be where this cool things happens and you aspire to get there and we can have a path for you to get close to it, but make it more challenging enough where dedicated players can actually get it. And right now they're just creating a bunch of FOMO in the game where you feel like you need to play because everything is going to go away once you're done. And at the same time, they're like, we're burning, we're burning our development budget on stuff that new players can't ever touch. It's like I, the FOMO is real. Right? Like even if I was like kind of tired out on Destiny, uh, about the, like the first season when they went free to play and I was like, I'm not going to do the second season after that because I'm, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to play Destiny. But at the same time, I was like, mm, am I missing out on some good content? Maybe, maybe I'm missing out on some cool story stuff. So like with the sundial, right? There's a whole, there's a couple of story missions where you explore this brand new area of Mercury that's gone. You can't play it now. It was only available for three weeks. 
And that means they paid a team, an art team, to make the art assets. They paid another team, right, to actually write the storylines. They paid the voice actors to voice those lines and make those cutscenes. They probably outsourced to like a little v- uh, FX studio to make the, to actually make the in-game cinematics. And none of that's in the game right now. That's, I, yeah, that's, that's not gonna, that's not sustainable. That is not sustainable game development, right? Uh, and I'm glad that they have realized and they're glad that they are going in this direction. It seems like Destiny might become a better game overall for this. All, all I hope is that they fix Gambit. Let's not get into that. Let's, let's wrap this up. I have Overwatch League games to get to. Uh, and also, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I also, Overwatch League. And I'm, and I'm, I'm, also, I need to eat lunch and I'm, I'm starving, actually. Also, that's, okay. um, yeah. So, so let's, let's, let's wrap, let's this, wrap up. this up. Uh, as always, uh, show notes, twoshadesofbrown.com. Con- uh, email address is there. Contact at twoshadesofbrown.com. Send us feedback, questions, thoughts on any, any topic we talked about, uh, now or in the past, you know, hit us up. Um, definitely let us know once again, what's your Linux data loss story? <laughs> yeah, sure. I, I want to hear, I want to hear what your horror stories are. I, I love reading those actually, even though, even though they're horrifying. Uh, you can find me on the Fediverse, uh, on Mastodon, uh, at, at packetcat at 10forward.social. Uh, and you can my, we'll find my website, fadiksafe.com, which has the other links, my, uh, like my blogs and whatnot. So, and show us a way to people find you on the internet. You can find me online at website, and you can find me on Mastodon at chosefind.chitter.xyz. Yep. Yep. Uh, and as always, goodbye. Bye.